0: Joining us now from somewhere near Heartland, Minnesota, our dear friend Mr. Albat. Good morning, Al.
1: Hey, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Um, I apologize for my voice. I, um, <laughs> my wife and I were just talking. I think the last time I had a cold was in two thousand fifteen. So oh I, I guess I'm about due for one, and Gosh. I uh. I think I I managed to find one somewhere, so it's uh, I I do. Before I forget, I want to thank the Lanesboro Area Community Foundation, and uh, First Presbyterian Church in Mankato for allowing me to be a uh, part of uh, of their gatherings, and also to Harvey Benson, a friend from Harmony, who as I was traveling uh, gave me a bed. And uh, all he charged me was I gave him a uh, a jar of honey, so it was a pretty uh, pretty good deal there. So thank you, Harvey. Uh, I'm boy. If you're outside now, you are hearing geese. They are not afraid of public speaking, <laughs> and I listen to them talk on a stubble covered farm field here by me that's been lowered by the disappearance of snow. It just looks so much lower now, the the field out there. And the geese are just, uh, you know, there's some feuding and a lot of just, I don't know, oh, yeah, whose army, why I ought to. So there's, uh, I see a lot of grackles in the yard. Uh, many people, many people, I have to say, consider strutting grackles the jerks of the bird world, but I, I think it's an unfair assessment. They're just... They're the way they are. Uh, I got home and I I didn't get to see the, uh, the Iowa LSU National Championship Women's Basketball, but I got to watch it after it was done. And you know, even the men are so noted for strutting, but there was a little bit with the ring things in front of faces and all that, so... You know I, I don't know grackles that's pretty much all they're doing too so they're probably just like us just like humans. Look for American white pelicans folks that'd be the this you're gonna start seeing them now and realize how big they are their wingspan can be up to 114 inches. It certainly can be smaller than that but up to... And if you take a red-tailed hawk, we see a red-tailed hawk flying, we say, boy, that's a big bird. That's 52 inches. So a red-tailed hawk could pretty much fit under one wing of a pelican in the air. So that's how big those pelicans are. I want to thank Bob and Jeannie Hansen of Albert Lee. They saw a black hawk and a white hawk. I'd say the white hawk would probably be a... Uh, a red-tailed hawk and a black hawk certainly could be one but i know kinda of where they live so i'm thinking the one they're seeing there's a rough-legged hawk there's a rough-legged there that i see regularly That's boy it looks all black till it flies and then it's got some white lines on it uh... carl beckendorf of fairmont said an eagle nest uh, by his place has been active four to five years now and it was uh... With sadness, I came home. My wife said, uh, "the the other uh, the the nest went down of the one that's online." So there's there's no nest there anymore. That the uh, the one that the DNR has up and that everybody is watching. It and was a heartbreaking.
0: So Did you see the video when it fell? It just broke my heart to see that. There's this, the eagle was just sitting on there, and all of a sudden there it was, and there it wasn't.
1: Yeah, I plan on seeing it. It's sad. The only thing I've watched is that Iowa LSU game (laughs) forever and a day. So I got home and I watched that, and then I went to bed last night. So that's all I've seen. But, yeah, it's just uh, it's so sad. And, you know.
0: Well, it, they birth. said that that it weighed two thousand pounds, and that the branch was dead. So I assume is. Then somebody online asked, "Do they normally build their nests in dead branches? Is that pretty common?"
1: Uh, not necessarily. Okay. No, they uh, they like to build in king trees, and I've seen oh two right near me that have fallen down. One was built mainly with corn stalks, oh. which aren't the best. It's not the best thing to build with, but that's what they had. There were corn stalks there. So they put corn stalks up there with some twigs and branches and things. But it fell down with eggs in it. Uh, there was another one in Lea, outside of Lea, that fell. I believe it had one egg in it when it went. And it went in a windstorm. And they do lose... Oh. I hear about quite a few of them that go down in windstorms. A lot of those are during the off season where there's no uh, nothing in there, so it's still sad, but not uh, there's no loss of life when these happen. But this one is, you know, and if if anybody spent any time with any kind of animal you know there's they feel sadness too just like we do and it's it's um uh, it just has to be a terrible thing to go through with them for losing both their young and uh, just a, a tough thing all around and they are beloved so i know many people love to see them will they rebuild i doubt it but you know, you never know. It's getting, it's April now, Aww. so it's getting pretty late. But, well, they, you know, who knows? Maybe they will. I sure hope they will. Could they if find they another lo-
0: nest somewhere, possibly? Or aren't they the type that would take somebody else's yeah, home?
1: Yeah, and uh, on a, sometimes you'll find uh, eagles that have two nests. Oh. And I, have, I don't know if they build one. And I know some studies have said that they'll build a nest... And if they don't bring off any young from that nest, then they'll build another one pretty close to it because they like that area for whatever reason. It's secure. There's a lot of food availability. And so they would have a second nest, whether they go back and use that or not. It's just that it's getting into April, so it's getting that time of year. Boy, you've got all that time. You know, if they lose a nest while they're building... Before they start laying eggs, then of course they're gonna build another nest and still lay eggs. Well, the other but question
0: I, people were asking is, uh, will they lay another egg? And because somebody was commenting, they look like they are frisky, <laughs> so thinking well, that. Well, that's
1: <laughs> that's, a, that's a good sign. Yeah, I again, I, you know, if I was a Batman, and uh, oh boy, I am not what, not even close. I I wouldn't think they would, but maybe they will. Huh? I certainly keep my fingers crossed. It'd be nice if they would, because uh, they after all that work and everything, you know, you wish them some good luck. Because uh, man, that just uh, is so sad.
0: But when where does where do they live then if they don't have a nest to go back to like their home base? You know, like we go back to our home; it's our home base. So now where?
1: they can go anywhere they want now because they have uh they have no no ties to that tree anymore uh and i wouldn't guess they'd come back to that tree after this has happened i wouldn't think they would they would do anything you know if a tree topples or sawed down i read once about somebody sawed a tree down with a nest in there so they're uh they would still maybe like that territory, so somewhere close. But they would probably not come back to that same tree.
0: The, the DNR so it, did comment that they were going to keep the, the, the eagle cam going, but I guess it, depending on if they find another eagle nest perhaps, or. but they, they want yeah. to keep it going because it's so popular and people. It just makes you feel so much closer to nature when you feel connected. And the other question they had was, if the nest fell down and then the people came in, because they encouraged people to stay away from there, if you knew where it was, but would the 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 eagles themselves go and try and find their chick to see if it was alive, or is it the kind of thing where they're like, "Yep, eh, it's gone"?
1: Oh, you'd think they'd come down and find. Uh, I put up a a tree blew down down by Emmons, and I went down and put a uh, a nest box up in uh, the neighboring tree that they could go into. Mm-hmm. And then their babies were down there, and I went down. There were seven babies. And I went down, and, boy, they were die-bombing me, and they'd been coming down and feeding the babies, who, of course, were spread as far as seven little chicks could. I don't know how they got so far apart. But they were taking care of them, you know, and they're a raptor. So they're down there, and it was... uh, They were feeding them, and I took them up there, and they dive-bombed me like crazy when I was climbing up that rickety ladder. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to ever use this ladder again, and it wasn't my ladder. (laughs) It was the the folks there. So I'm up there, and they are just, and you know, they come right at your head because the eyes are a big thing for those. But I got all seven of them in there, and the the folks called me and told me that they had... uh, all seven on my head fledged so it was really neat because I they're my favorite little raptor is the kestrel um, I th- I just think uh, I think this season you know Minnesota we don't have uh, the only long season we seem to have is winter The nesting season is just too short for the female to lay another egg even if they find an alternate nest and I'm hoping I'm hoping that this is just an odd couple and something happens. And but I just can't imagine them doing that. It's just uh, it, you, know, this, you know every day, every day just zooms past, and our seasons do the same thing. So sadly, but boy, I'll be watching that Eagle Cam. It'd be I'd love to have them prove us wrong or prove me wrong. Uh, that's the nice thing about um, The nice thing about being wrong before is you readily accept it when you're wrong again. So, <laughs> yeah. um, Rita Granson of Mason City, she said she was at a landfill in Mason City, and she saw pectoral, lesser, and yellow legs. And those are sandpipers. Saw two Ross's geese with a bunch of snow geese and a gazillion ringbill gulls and that's that's a lot a few herring gulls you know and herring gulls i see herring gulls at at landfills herring gulls are bigger than a ringbill gulls i think of ringbill gulls as parking lot gulls or drive-through gulls and i think of herring gulls as more of a landfill although most both of them are there and lapland longspurs and tj tom jesson of st peter said I saw the first garter snake of the year on Sunday out at the trout ponds east of St. Peter. It was not a warm day, but the sun was kicking off just enough heat for this little wiggler to be out crossing a gravel road over a culvert. He's certainly gone back to bed now, but with temps pushing 60 this weekend, there will be more coming out. He stopped, I was over, uh, oh gosh, Lanesboro, I guess, of 60 degrees on Sunday. And here's a thing on the road, and I thought it was a snake, and I pulled over, there was no traffic out there, and here it was some, I don't know, some little um, tubing from a, a car, or who knows what it was from out there. So I, I threw it in my waist in my car, because it sure looked like a snake <laughs> in the dimming light. Oh. Uh, Tim Scott said, on uh, Sunday morning, I spread a lot of white millet on the ground, had about 50 juncos, hard to count exactly. They do love millet, and I put a little millet out for them. We have a lot of juncos that uh, they're moving now, heading north. So the ones we have in our yard now might not be our typical, uh, the ones that wintered here, although there might be a lot of them there, but we're getting ones that are coming from south and stopping at our yards. And Tim also sent me something uh, from Stephen Buckman's book, and the title is What a Bee Knows, Exploring the Thoughts, Memories, and Personalities of Bees. Hmm. And this draws from his own research and dozens of other studies to paint this remarkable picture of bee behavior and psychology. And he argues that bees can demonstrate sophisticated emotions resembling optimism, frustration, playfulness, and fear. And traits are more commonly associated with mammals. Experiments have shown bees can experience PTSD-like symptoms, recognize different human faces, process long-term memories while sleeping, and maybe even dream. So that's incredible. And when I think of all those emotion, optimism, frustration, playfulness, fears i 'm sure those eagles are going through all that oh. with the loss of their young there, and maybe i don't know i i'm sure they may they have no idea how to deal with it i I would guess oh. uh Harvey Benson of Harmonies, he had crocuses popping up out of the ground when I was there, so that was pretty neat to see were they were uh, broad- they blooming
0: out or were they just popping up? No yeah' cause I've got tulips up. and daffodils and some uh naked lady lilies and things that have popped up as well, but they're not blooming quite yet,
1: no, and he had some daffodils too, so oh, but mm-hmm. we got excited just about <laughs> seeing them. We thought, man, this is you know it was just a couple of days ago when that was nothing but a huge bank of snow there where these things are popping up uh Craig Zimpreg saw a Broadwing Hawks in LeSueur County and Waseka County. Uh, Chad Hines saw a Red Cross bill in Blue Earth County. Uh, Michael Atkins saw a Golden Eagle in Nicollet County. And uh, the Nine Nature Center, which is a wonderful, wonderful place, they have an Earth Day event. It's called the Tree Jamboree on Saturday, April 22nd. It's from 11 a.m. to 2. It's free to everyone. They're having live music, arts and crafts. They're having yoga, tree planting, paper making demo, maple syrup tasting. That's the one I'd circle right there. Mm-hmm. Boy, I love maple syrup. And of course, information booths. They'll be also vending by Pizzeria two thousand and uh, one ten inch pizza, nineteen nine root beer and nineteen nineteen root beer and pretzels. So lots of things there so and the lunches are for purchase so i better not say everything is free food you got to buy uh someone said you were talking about trumpeter and tundra swans last week am i seeing trumpeter or tundra swans if you see them nesting here they're trumpeters but of course they haven't started that yet trumpeter swans are larger than tundra so if you look in the books they say well you, you know it's the bigger ones the trumpeter but you look at one, a bunch of them out in the field and tell me if that's the big one or the little one. And the difference in size is apparent only if the two species are right next to one another. And even then, if you've got a tundra that's kind of fluffed up and then a uh, trumpeter that has all his feathers in place because he's cool and calm and collected, that tundra might look bigger than the trumpeter the best is to listen to their calls trumpeter swan calls are trumpet like which sound like a junior high french horn player warming up Uh, lewis and clark during their expedition provided the first written description of tundra swans where the birds whistle like calls prompted meriwether lewis to dub them whistling swans trumpeters sound remarkably low-pitched and nasal in comparison and if you hear something whistling the theme song to the Andrew Griffiths show, <laughs> that will be a TV and not a tundra swan. Uh, tundra swans stay in flocks, except when on breeding territory in the Arctic. So, if you see a pair of swans or maybe just a few swans, they're likely to be trumpeters here. So it's uh, I saw. Oh, gosh, just outside Mankato on Sunday, I saw three of them, Uh, beautiful tundras. They're just, oh, man, they're so good. And uh, the same, uh, yeah, same listener said, I just caught a little bit. The phone rang. You were talking about taste buds of birds. What did you have to say about that? Uh, Birds have up to 500 taste buds, Hmm. and adult humans, We have 2,000 to 10,000. So that's why every one of you probably has a brother-in-law who can eat anything. It doesn't (laughs) seem to matter. He just, boy, that was pretty good. And you eat it, and you say, well, you know, just uh, because we have different numbers of taste buds for whatever reason. Genetic, I suppose. Parrots have 300 to 400, but a chicken, it has 24 taste buds. So a chicken can eat pretty much anything. But birds generally can taste sweet, sour, and bitter. And they learn that the combinations of those tastes warn them of toxic foods or invite them to chow down. Fruit eaters can detect when fruit is ripe. Hummingbirds can taste difference in the sugar concentrations found in flowers. So they, uh, they may not have as many as we do, but they get by. Uh, Blue jays quickly learn that a monarch butterfly makes a meal if they eat one, so it's not only the taste, but it's the coloration of that butterfly that warns them away. Uh, Where do crows nest? I'm watching three crows in my yard, and they're flying around, same times they have like a schedule, and they're carrying sticks and just doing things. American crows hide their nests in the crotch of a tree near the trunk, or perhaps on a horizontal branch towards the top third of a tree. And they prefer to nest in evergreens, but they will nest in deciduous trees when evergreens are unavailable or just not tall enough, or for some reason they're not proper. Both members of a breeding pair build a nest. And you're saying, well, why do you have three of them flying around? the young from the previous year might help. So I think they have recruited one of last year's babies to come in and help them. And the nest is made of medium-sized twigs with an inner cup lined with pine needles, vegetation, bark, and they'll put animal hair in there, if there's uh, cows or horses or llamas or something in the neighborhood. And it's fun watching them. I can, right around the time where we sit down to have dinner, I can look out the window and there's those three crows just flying. They make like two or three circles and then they land in this tree and I'm assuming that's where they're building a nest. So it's fun to watch them. They're such uh, they're brilliant birds. They're just so smart the class valedictorians of the birds down here and uh, they're always up to something and they're great they're great family birds as evidenced by that young from last year helping and why do they do that well because i suppose that's their family so they like their family plus it it trains them they learn how to do all these things they'll um help feed the young and They'll just, they won't change, well, they do kind of change diapers in a way, but they learn all those skills that they need to have as they grow up. Uh, What kind of sandhill cranes do we have in Minnesota? They're two separate populations, and they're both greater sandhill cranes, and their populations are expanding. And the cranes breeding in sort of eastern Minnesota, and I'm including us in there, um, they winter in north and central Florida and the cranes nesting in northwestern Minnesota winter along the Gulf Coast of Texas. So the sandhill cranes that gather along the Platte River in Nebraska, they primarily winter in Texas, New Mexico, and Mexico. And according to the Nebraska Game and Parks, most of the birds that gather along the Platte River are lesser sandhill cranes and they're the smallest subspecies the canadian or intermediate sandhill crane makes up about 15 percent of the birds there and the greater sandhill crane that's the ones we have here they're about five percent of those along the platte river so we could say ours were possibly along the platte river or they might not have been Uh, lesser sandhill cranes are birds of the high arctic so they don't nest here; they nest across the northern reaches of Canada and Alaska. Some cross the Bering Strait into uh, boy, wouldn't that be that'd be eastern Siberia? So they go a long, long ways from here. But boy, it's just so it's so fun to have them here. Uh, listener says, uh, "Have a rookery of great blue herons. How far will they travel for food?" You know, they, uh, studies, they've studies. they done a lot of studies on this, and they found that most of them, they get to rookery in a proper place because it's close to food. So they normally stay within like a two-mile range, but they will travel up to 18 miles for food. So you just think of that, boy, they got to go get the food, then they got to carry it back, and then they've got to feed the babies, and then they got to go get more food, so it's, it's quite a job. Uh, A listener named Sam says, do flickers eat ticks? I don't think so. Uh, uh, Flickers feed on the ground. They hammer on the soil as other woodpeckers hammer on wood. They're looking for ants primarily is what flickers are doing. That's about 45% of their diet is made up of ants. And a flicker has this tongue that darts out two inches beyond the end of its bill. So it can snare prey with that tongue. And they also feed on beetles. They like ground beetles of various kinds. Uh, the farmer's friend, they eat corn borers. And they occasionally will catch insects in the air. And other invertebrates, eaten their flies, butterflies, moths, they'll eat snails. And this time of year, people have them over winter. They switch to eating seeds. Our fruit and berries, and the fruit and berries could come from poison ivy, dogwood, sumac, wild cherry, grape, bayberries. Hackberries our friends are friends of hackberries. They feed more birds, and even some elderberries might be hanging around. Uh, sunflower seeds at the feeders is what they come to eat. But what eats ticks, wild possums. And the other thing that uh, people have found, wild turkeys who eat ticks and so you gotta love wild turkeys for many my wife uh went to albert lee yesterday and she said uh, she drove down this one road and there were so many turkeys on both sides of the road some right in the middle and she was wondering how she's going to get through those but they parted and said all right you're all right you can go because turkeys will They'll claim their territory and say, I'm not moving from this beast, you know, go around. Well, in this case, she had no way to go around. They pretty much had it blocked off. So I hope everybody is cautious when they're driving now with the turkeys on the roads, because they are big birds.
0: Well, you can sure sure see a lot of roadkill now that the snow has melted. My son was counting... (laughs) from St. Peter to Mankato and I think there was something like 12 deer and a turkey and a possum and I don't remember what else but boy it's it's uh it's messy out there after the snow melts.
1: I bet he saw a lot of skunks too. You know I we didn't whole...
0: we didn't see any skunks. Oh. Yeah, I was surprised so I don't know if they've uh, already brought it in the ground or I I'm not sure but maybe they're maybe they haven't come out here yet, I don't know.
1: I um I, I blame Bambi for a lot of good things in my life, and one of them is I like skunks. And I think it was because <laughs> of Flower in Bambi. I just Aww. thought he was uh, he was such a cool guy. And I see him, our uh, road here, uh, oh, it runs from Highway 13 and goes to Geneva. So it's not a terribly long road. But I drove uh, the other day, or yesterday, and there were three fresh dead skunks on oh. there. So
0: you know our and friend... I was going to say, our friend Tom Jessen has already found uh, the garter snakes out basking on rocks and things, and I was surprised because he said, you know, even though it's cold, it gets warm on the rocks, so he uh, has pictures and things showing those out already.
1: Yeah, they were pretty cool, and you could tell it was cold because he had gloves on. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's cold. Yeah, yeah garter snakes are, they're, they're beautiful. I, I think snakes are just beautiful. I have some friends that just got back from Costa Rica, and I can't wait to talk to them about the snakes there there's so many snakes
0: now do they have venomous uh, ones there because we don't have venomous ones. yeah yeah, Yeah, so there's no reason to be you know i've got we've got two in our house now a checkered garter and a common garter and they're just the cutest little things and honest to goodness i never ever thought i would ever say that but since my son loves them and i've seen them and they're just they're cute
1: (laughs) they are lovely Hey, uh, thanks, everybody, for uh, sitting on the front porch with me and uh, listening to my raspy voice. Uh, I feel uh, a lot better than I sound, so I apologize for it. My mother worked for a grocery store in Algona, Iowa, White's Grocery, and she told this story. A little boy and his father visited White's Grocery Store, and as the two prepared to leave, the owner, Mr. White, offered the good customers candy from a large jar. This was back when uh, the, most of the grocery stores were independent and they had things in barrels and large jars. Get a handful of candy, the merchant said to the boy, and the boy just stood there looking up at his father. And the owner repeated himself. He said, son, take a handful of candy. It's free. And again, the boy didn't move. He continued to look up at his father's face, and finally the father I'm sure with a deep sigh, reached into the candy jar and grabbed a handful of candy and gave it to his son. And as they walked home, the father asked his son, why he hadn't taken a handful of the free candy? And the boy with a big grin on his face replied, because I know your hand is much bigger <laughs> than mine.
0: So. Oh, my goodness. Hey, before you go, John wanted me to share a question or ask you a question. So here's John's back again, and he wants to know what kind of shoes do frogs wear?
1: What kind of shoes do frogs wear? I I don't know.
0: Open-toed. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh gosh! You know, I ran past toad and I thought lily pads, and I couldn't come up with anything. That oh, uh, thank you, John. I didn't expect to get it right, so it. Uh, I'm I'm going to be okay with it.
0: All right. Well, it's great to chat with you as always, and we will talk to you next week, and hopefully, we'll uh, see the eagles building a new nest again.
1: Thank you, Karen. Everybody, do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird and. Uh, Thanks for listening.
0: All right. Bye-bye, Al.